Assalamu alaikum. This is Sometimes in Life with Noura Kareem, where my mission is to help you hold conversations with yourself, with God, and with others at work and the fields. In this Ramadan series called Life's Big Questions, we're going to be answering some of life's toughest questions. Most of the series was done in Arabic. There's a few episodes that would be in English. Today is one of them. Enjoy! Hello everyone and welcome back to the channel. So today I have a very special guest that I am excited to introduce all of you guys to. So we're going to be talking to Raif, my husband, who I can honestly say that, you know, since we've been married, I've become a better person and a better Muslimah. So we're going to be asking him a series of some of life's biggest questions in hopes to help us all get a little bit closer to our own answers. And I can say that I'm honestly as excited as all of you guys to know what his answers are going to be. So let's get started. Welcome, Raif. Hi, Nora. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for doing this. Yeah, excited. A little bit nervous, but uh, excited to be here. <clears throat> I'm a little bit nervous too. <laughs> okay, so. So I know that you started off your career as an engineer and then you moved into kind of like a little bit, no? <laughs> okay, you <laughs> you started studying as an engineer. How about you just introduce yourself to us? Did you work as an engineer? Well, career, that's in high the school education considered no. part of your career? No. No, it's not. Education is different than career. Career is your professional life. I, professionally, I never worked as an engineer. Okay. You can just so. ask me to introduce myself. <laughs> okay. So, so tell us a little bit more about you. So I'm from Saudi, born and raised in the city of Medina, mm -hmm. uh, Medina Manawara. Um, I then left Saudi Arabia and moved to the UK where I did my undergrad. I did uh, a Bachelor of Engineering in Electronic and Electrical Engineering with a specialty in nanotechnology. I did a thesis in the overlap between nanotechnology and neuroengineering. Um, uh, it was a really interesting topic and I worked at the time at uh, the London Center of Nanotechnology which was part of my university, University College London, so I lived in London at the time. Um, after that I moved to New York to do my masters so fortunately got to live in, the, in, in two of the biggest and, and most exciting cities globally. Um, so I did my master's uh, at Columbia University in New York, um, which at the time got me really interested in the business world, uh, you know, shifting a little bit from engineering towards business. And this drove me to uh, start my career as a strategy and innovation consultant in, in Manhattan, in New York. Um, so I, I did that. It was an amazing learning experience, worked with uh, a lot of Fortune 500 clients um, uh, in the in, in, uh, United States. I then uh, moved back to the Middle East and um, uh, joined another company in their uh, leadership acceleration, one of their leadership acceleration programs in digital technology. And the reason I made that move is that I wanted to function in the overlap between business and technology, utilizing my engineering, technical engineering background, as well as my strong interest in business and the experience that I had built in New York. Um, and 
through that program, I was moving a lot between different countries. I, I got to work in eight, seven, eight different countries in, in the span exciting. of two years. Uh, mm -hmm. it, was, it, was a, it was a really exciting journey. Um, got to work with different companies, different teams, different projects, uh, very fast-paced. Every four, five, six months, I have a new assignment, new project. We go in, we, uh, we, uh, we create technical solutions to, sell, to solve business problems, essentially. Um, after I was done with that, I then took a role uh, uh, as a program manager, uh, uh, where I created the strategy and oversaw then later the execution mm -hmm. of the local investments of the company. So uh, as, part of, as part of the uh, commitment, the company's commitment, it's a multinational company, as part of the com company's commitment to um, Saudi Arabia and the local guidelines and, and uh, uh, local frameworks, we, we had developed a strategy mm -hmm. uh, that is centered around uh, localizing more of our activities in the country, uh, focusing on creating uh, jo local jobs and, and, and developing local technologies and, and bringing more facilities and more activities into the country. Um, it was an exciting journey. I did that uh, for some time and now just recently I transitioned uh, into becoming uh, the company's uh, digital transformation director where uh, we focus a lot on helping clients develop their digital transformation roadmaps, especially when it comes to the topic of AI, artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. So how we can leverage the, the power of these technologies into uh, helping companies uh, better improve their operation, optimize their costs, and essentially, uh, you know, uh, inter essentially utilize uh, those technologies and ingrain them in the way we operate today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very cool. And one of the things that I'm really excited about having this conversation with you is like coming from a background of, you know, studying humans and most of the people, the guests that I've had on the show, you know, um, and so far we've done a few of these episodes. They all come from a background of, you know, more somewhat similar to my own. So it's kind of kind of exciting to see you kind of like on the flip side having someone from you know the digital world the um i'm gonna get a lot of these words wrong but you know like more technical and how you see the answers to these you know big questions of life so that's kind of it's exciting i look forward to the conversation yeah so what would you say how would you define success all right, I guess yeah. we're diving into the big questions mm -hmm. immediately, all right. Um, I think I have a very short definition of success. And, uh, you know, it's basically success to me is how you can be the best version of yourself. Really, this is how I think of success. Um, and I would like to, you know, further um, interpret that into two points. Mm -hmm. One is, which I see a lot talking to a lot of people, is that uh, some people tend to think uh, of success as one-dimensional. When people say somebody is successful, they're looking at it from one lens only, you know. And a lot of people associate success with financial success, for example. You know, they, they link how successful a person is to how much they're making. For example, some people link it to another dimension. But in a lot of scenarios, people look at it as a singular one-dimensional 
metric where I think it's a multifaceted convoluted topic because success you, you cannot it, it's a whole it's a combination of a lot of different aspects you know uh, it's how you can be successful professionally socially physiologically uh, cognitively spiritually physically it's the combination of all of these things that truly shape a successful person uh, and if you think about it really like for example if you take your physiological or, or, or physical health you know without you being at the best uh, health you can be in you are bound to be less than you can potentially be right and at the at, at the end you will break down so uh, they all play into each other you know your your peace of mind your spirituality how you are connected with your creator this will also help you um, you know become in your mind and in your heart and in, in your heart uh, a person that you know it reflects in your character and then then so this is the first point it, mm -hmm. it's not one dimensional it has to be a combination of all of these aspects combined um, the other item is and this is something that throughout my life maybe I I learned the hard way uh, which is don't compare yourself to others it's a big one yeah don't compare yourself to others compare yourself today to who you were yesterday that is the best measurement of of self-improvement in general and, and there is a very simple reason and i learned this through college uh, and i think when when we were growing up or when when kids normally grow up in school you know the the one metric is how good are you in comparison to the other kids right and, and this is the whole system, how the whole system is based. And there is nothing wrong with that, essentially. But then, as we grow, this need to develop into something a bit more complex, right? And, 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 and you need to internalize that uh, 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 sense of comparison to yourself. And the reason is, everybody is different. We all come from different backgrounds. We all had different upbringings. We all have different advantages and disadvantages, right? So it would be unfair to yourself and to others if you compare yourself to others and therefore decide you are more successful or less successful than other people because you don't know what's going on in, in those people's lives and you don't know, those people don't know what's going on in, in yours, right? Yeah, it's kind of unfair to yourself. Absolutely. So, so the best measure of success is who you are yesterday, who you are today, and who you're going to be tomorrow. And if you truly take that uh, wholeheartedly, with time, you will see yourself improving a great deal. And you will look back at yourself and, and not only improving, but improving with a peace of mind. Because now you know exactly what the metric is. It is completely fair to you and it's upon you to be better and this goes back to the short answer that I provided, which is to be the better version of yourself. Mm -hmm. So every day you want to, you, you know, you have a drive to be better than you were yesterday. And, and this again goes back better in, in, your, in your social network, in your social capabilities, better professionally, better in your academics if you're in school, better in your relationship with your, with your creator, better uh, in your health, 
you know, and mm-hmm. all of these aspects combined. Yeah, and I can see like how they would also feed into each other. Like, okay, if I'm gonna compare myself to who I was yesterday, and then the goal is to become better tomorrow and better after tomorrow, and and if success is measured by continuous development and being, you know, the best version of yourself, you know, if the matrix is I'm comparing it to myself, like. I can see how that would feed into each other and actually create that success matrix. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. And um, what would you say one thing you know for sure about yourself? One thing for sure you know about Bayev? Hmm. Um, I think this requires a little bit of thinking in mm-hmm. order to, uh, to answer it. But I can say for sure that... I am a fortunate person. Um, uh, again, whenever you reflect and you, you look back at your life, I, I, and I'm, I'm going to draw it because this is, you know, the question is, is related to, you directed it to me, so I'm going to answer to how I see it. If you look about my life and, you know, how there were a lot of, um, a lot of accomplishments, alhamdulillah, that, that, I, that I made in, 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 the, in the past, in the past decade or so, you know, I graduated from high school, uh, you know, top of my class, graduated from from university with honors, went, studied at the best schools in the world, sure. was successful professionally, moved into different challenges, accelerated in my, in my career. But you look back at it, really, even though there was a lot of hard work that was put into that, but there was a lot of fortune as well. You know, mm-hmm. it did not happen because, uh, you know, Raif worked harder than other people or yes, there was an aspect of that. But, but, you know, there were a lot of people that came along the way that helped me, that supported me. A lot of doors that were open to me just because I was in the right place at the right time, you know, and thankfully I was prepared for that. Uh, a lot of um, mentors. Uh, that provided me advice. A lot of role models that I was looking up to, that every day kept me motivated to 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 go and and do my best. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, so you look you look back at it. Really, there is a, a great deal of fortune. Thank. This is something to be thankful for. And I think overall, it's a healthy approach. Because if you look back and you study your life. There could have been a lot of instances where things went wrong, mm-hmm. you know, but they did it, you know, because truly, you know, you don't know how things can, can turn out. And, and then you realize how fortunate you were, how fortunate you were by meeting that X person and having that conversation that shifted your life. How fortunate were, you know, uh, you, you applied for one thing and it happened to be, you know, uh, something that was available at the time. How fortunate that you got inspired to look into something that shaped where you're going to move next in your career or in your academia. How fortunate you were by uh, being friends or neighbors or, or colleague with somebody who told you something one day and then this helped, you know, change the course of your life. So, and honestly, just thinking about that is an extremely humbling realization. First of all, subhanAllah, Allah is, has decided everything, you know, and, and Allah is shaping the, the course of our lives. At the same time, how it how deeply important the role of other people into our lives, you know, because uh, 
you cannot say everything that you did in your own. Uh, really, there is an aspect of other people into that. Well, I definitely respect all of that. Yeah. And it says a lot about a person that's like open to those opportunities and open to it. Yeah. What is one thing that you know for sure about the creator? That is even a more difficult question. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I think there is a lot to, uh, you know, we could have this conversation all day to, to say things about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but if I were to choose one, I think I would say uh, Allah is generous. Mm -hmm. um, this is something that I think resonates with me a lot. And it's very, it's very basic. And I think we overlook that fact. Uh, a lot of the times, if I may, and uh, one of the ayahs, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Man jaa bil hasanati falahu ashra amthalha, wa man jaa bil siyati fala yuzza illa mithlha, wa hum la yidlamun." I'll translate: Whoever comes with a good deed will have ten times the like thereof, and whoever comes with an evil deed will not be recompensed except the like thereof, and they will not be wronged. Mm -hmm. um, and and then also. In another verse, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "In al-hasanat yudhibnasayat." Right? Indeed, good deeds do away with misdeeds. And if you think about this, it's something that we recite and it's something that we know by heart. But until we truly think about what that means, mm -hmm. it it never really hits us. And I'll, I'll give an example. And Allah Taala. You know, Allah is ideal, but sometimes with our simple minds, it helps us to draw some examples. And I'll draw an example from the business world because this is maybe the word that I understand best. So let's say you work for an employer, right? Mm -hmm. And then this employer comes and you work eight hours a day, like, you know, most people. And this employer comes and realizes that not everybody is being productive when they come to work right? during these eight hours. So uh, he comes and says, okay, you know what? here is a new policy i'm going to change this because you know we need to be more productive at work so here is the new policy for every hour you work and you're productive within those eight hours you're going to get paid 10 hours for every hour that you're productive and for every hour that you're not productive you're going to be deducted only one hour mm -hmm. right how many people do you think will be productive during those eight hours I bet yeah. you everyone will be, yeah. right? Because because you're an easy one. that's an, you know. So if you think about it in that way, not only that. Imagine if then the employer comes and tells you, you know what? If you were unproductive in the past, but now you're showing me that you're you're being you know very productive, I, I will forgive the hours that you were not you you were not mm -hmm. you're not productive, you know, and I'll pay you ten times as much for every for every hour that you work now. So first of all, two things here. First of all, I think now it puts it into perspective how generous that model is. Mm -hmm. And you know, truly this tells us how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is generous with, with us. And the other thing is, it in a way should give us motivation to do more deeds. Because in the same example, in the same example, you wouldn't waste any hour being unproductive, right? Because you want to get that reward. So if we apply that to our daily lives, then 
This essentially should give us a motivation to truly prioritize doing good deeds every day, whenever possible. As you were talking about that, two things came to my mind. Like recently, I was just um, I just heard of a hadith that I wasn't really aware of before, but um, even when you do do a bad deed, that the first six hours, I think it was six hours, that it's not written. And if you, you know, if you repent within that six hours, it, it doesn't even, it's not even written down in your books. And I thought, wow, like... Interesting. I, I never heard of this, but yeah. Yeah, it's I think it was six hours. Hmm. Yeah, so I was like, wow, I mean, that's kind of cool <laughs> that it's not even written. And then, you know, as we were talking as well about the generosity and stuff, that even your, your bad deeds can, or the good deeds can actually erase your bad deeds. I mean, like, knowing a lot of people that either feel or carry a lot of guilt or shame or like they don't like themselves it's like i just i find it amazing that we have we have god that we can lean on in those moments of okay and lean on his generosity with me and his acceptance with me so if that you know even if i don't feel it for myself knowing that god feels that about me or accepts me you know, makes it makes a person be able to take the next step, or you know, become better, or do what he needs to do. Because even if I don't feel good about me, knowing that God feels good about me or can accept me is it's huge. Absolutely, you know what you said is is absolutely beautiful and right. Because um, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, maybe this is another another thing that we know for sure about Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. He's also Rahim. Is merciful. So, uh, and, and uh, you know, the translation, uh, those who have transgressed against themselves do not despair the mercy of Allah. Allah forgives all sins. So, absolutely, you know, regardless of of what you did and, or, or, you know, what you feel about yourself because of what you did, the door is always open. And, and this is the mercy of Allah, you know, the door is always open. He and, and there is always opportunity for him to forgive. And I think this is something that we need to always remember because this will also give us motivation to take that step and ask for forgiveness and, and you know, do right by, 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 uh, by what we did. Um, but the crucial thing is to take that step, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, I always found it amazing that even Siyaga like that he chose to say that God loves those who repent because anyone that has done a mistake in their life or that carries a burden you know the first thing that goes away from a human being is their them liking themselves or them respecting themselves so just like I find it like uh, it warms my heart that God chose to say that he loves those who repent yeah, yeah to give them that you know like Okay. Yeah, yeah, I know this is something missing, but hey, you know, like it's here. Because what yeah. counts is actually taking that step and rep- mm-hmm. repenting. And once you do, everything is forgiven, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's a you know. And again, this applies everywhere. I always draw examples to, to the business world. If you look at, if I were to hire somebody, right? And let's say I have multiple people that have witnessed. Um, working within within the company and now I have a new 
opening in my team and I need to bring somebody in from within the company and I have my eye on a few people I, you know there are a lot of criteria but trust me the the person that made mistakes but then learned from those mistakes and came back and you know did the right thing after and and they had it upon them that mm -hmm. they will not make that mistake define uh, their their legacy in the company and they made sure that they can learn from that mistakes and but they were courageous enough to take that step where they were in a position to make a mistake that's fine that's exactly the person you want mm -hmm. you want the person that you know first has the courage to to go on and, 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 and do things but then what is relevant to this discussion is the person who learned from that mistake because you know that there's that this person now knows better this person will not be in a position to make the same mistake again, ideally, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why people who repent in an ideal scenario, those people know what it feels like to have made that mistake and what it feels like to have repented from that mistake. So they have a stronger will not to fall in the trap of shaitan again in the future. And I think, uh, you know, it just comes comes to mind now the way you explained it. And I think that's why, subhanAllah, Allah loves Tawabin. Because now those people are a lot stronger than anybody else. Because they repented from something that they did. And, and they have now stronger will not to do it again. You know, or not to go down that path again. Yeah, like Rama said, you know, they have a soft spot in their heart. Hmm. What would you say one of the toughest or hardest lessons that you've learned? Wow, so all the questions are hard. <laughs> yes, they're some of life's biggest and hardest questions. Um, there are a lot, honestly. Um, I learned a lot throughout my life and uh, there were a lot of lessons. Um, but, but there was something that, that it was a big realization moment for me. And uh, before answering the question, I'd, I'd like to tell a story. And this story is usually used in business schools. Okay. But I'll tell the story and then this will translate into my answer to that question. So the story goes like this. Um, a successful businessman was on a vacation, right? Uh, he was at the pier of a small coastal village. And then while he was sitting by the sea, um, a small boat approached the dock and there was a, a fisherman in his boat a small boat with the with the you know uh, with the fisherman and inside the small boat there were several large yellowfin tuna yellowfin tuna is one of the most uh, sought after and expensive types of fish right mm -hmm. so the the businessman you know complimented the fisherman on the quality of the fish and then he asked him you know how long did it take you to to uh, to catch the uh, tuna and the fisherman said, you know, uh, every morning I go out on my boat for about 30 minutes to fish. Uh, I, I'm the best fisherman in the village, you know. It takes me only 30 minutes to, to catch the tuna. So the businessman, he was like, wow, okay. Then he asked him, if you are the best, why don't you stay out longer and catch more fish, you know? Uh, what do you do for the rest of your day? So the fisherman replied, yeah, you know, I, I sleep late, I fish a little, I play with my children, I spend some quality time with my wife, 
Every evening I take a stroll into the village, I meet my friends and drink tea with them and, and then go back to my home and, and sleep. I live a happy life. So the businessman told him, look, look man, I'm a very successful CEO and I have an eye for, for spotting good talent, right? Mm -hmm. And I can help you be more successful. You should spend more time fishing, right? Catching more fish and with the proceeds, buy a bigger boat. You have a small boat, you know, spend more time fishing, buy a bigger boat. With the proceeds from the bigger boat, you could have now several boats, buy multiple boats. Eventually, you'll have a whole fleet of fishing with a bunch of fishermen. You're not the only one fishing now. You're managing a whole fleet with different fishermen. And instead of selling your catch to just your friends, within the village, now you can have a company and sell your fish to thousands of people all over the world, globally, right? And eventually you could leave this small coastal village, go to the big city, and oversee your growing empire. So the fisherman said, okay, but how long will this take? You know, all of what you described. And the businessman said, you know, 15, 20 years maybe. So the fisherman said, okay, what then? And then the businessman laughed and said, you know, this is the best part. When the time is right, you announce an IPO, you sell your company to the public, you cash out, you become rich, and now you have millions. So the fisherman says, wow, millions. You know, he's playing with, with, his, with his thought. He said, okay, then what? Mm -hmm. Then the businessman said, you know, this is the best part. Now you move to a small coastal village, you sleep late, you fish a little, you play with your kids, you spend some quality time with your wife, Every evening, every evening, you take a stroll down the village, you meet your friends, you drink some tea with them, you go home and sleep. Hmm. So, I think this story is amazing because, and three points here, so that I don't take a long time. Three points. One is the objective of the story. The, ob the objective of the story is not to say, Go after your your dreams and your you know set high goals for yourselves and, and 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 go after them and accomplish them. The objective is understand why you do what you do, right? The fisherman had exactly what the businessman wanted to achieve in twenty years, but the businessman failed to realize that this fisherman had that because this you know he gave him the exact description. This is number one. Understand why you do what you do. So I, I talked to a lot of uh, a lot of young people who just started their career, and sometimes I ask them, you know, why do you come to work? Why do you work, right? And a lot of them don't know how what how to really answer. And some of them say, well, you know, I need to make money. But then that's not really the right answer or the correct answer, even from themselves, because I go and tell them, well, if you if truly that was your objective. I can tell you now a hundred other ways where you can make better money than what you are making. There are a lot of other things that you can do outside that can earn you more money. So if truly this is your objective, why are you wasting your time here? Go do X and Y and Z because, you know, other people who can work in, in commerce and other stuff, they can make a lot more money than, than you are making as a young uh, employee in this company. So then this starts to play with them. Okay, wait a minute. Why am I here? Well. I'm here because I'm learning, you know, I'm equipping myself with different 
skill sets and knowledge so I can be better and stronger when I grow into my professional life and be in a better position to make you know higher income okay now so huge difference now they, they still come to work every day at the same time they live the same time they do the same tasks but the objective in their head is different now they understand that in that phase of their career their main objective is to learn so they focus all their efforts on learning rather than before they're thinking okay I'm just here to make that paycheck at the end of the month but even that so even at one point where your objective is to make money so why do you want to make money ask people who are way ahead of me in their career so why same question and the funny thing is those people also answer the same the same answer right oh I'm, I'm here to make money but then you ask them really so why why do you want to make money? Or they will say, oh, because I want to, you know, provide a better life for my family and my kids and I want them. And then that's a, you know, that's a, that's a, that's the, the side of the story. So then you tell them and you see these people who are, you know, very successful in their careers, spending a ridiculous amount of time at their work, right? So then you ask them, okay, so your priority and objective is your family and your kids. Okay, so now, you're saying you're here to make money to better your kid's life or, or your family's life. But what is more important to your kids? Is more important to your kids to have a father in their lives, in their daily lives, so you can dedicate some time to them? Or a money that is coming every month relatively higher than what they would have with than, than another, you know, what, what they would have had with the absence of their parent. So now, again, same answer, but different objective. Now they start to think, okay, wait a minute. So my objective is not really to make money. My objective is to provide a better life for my family. And this goes to the, to the first question of success. So this means not only do I need to provide for them, I need to dedicate some time to them. You know, I need to spend time with them. I need to, I need to educate them. I need to provide a quality life for them that includes also my, my presence. So again, just to summarize, number one here is ask why. Once you ask why, you understand your motive and drive behind your actions. Number two is, well, uh, the lesson of the second lesson of the story is appreciate what you have. Mm -hmm. A lot of us get stuck in the chase, chasing th something, chasing something, chasing something that will never end, especially if the objective is open-ended such as make money mm -hmm. what does that mean you know how much you're gonna die and you still did not make do you know that you got there exactly but so that fisherman really appreciated what he had and the businessman wanted to achieve the same thing but his plan it's was gonna cost him 20 years of his life right so appreciate what you have today regardless of what phase of your life lastly if i were to link this to religion because you know the, the topic of the, the of the discussion here is in you asking why every one of us we really should have that uh, reason that is linked to religion everything that you do as Muslims we should have a reason that is religion. so why do you go to work not only to provide good you know, life for your family, not only to learn, not only to contribute to society, not only to contribute to humanity, 
you are on a mission to contribute to your ummah, you're on a mission to contribute to society, you're on a mission to contribute to humanity, you're on a mission to I'mar al-ard. I like the definition of the word mission, you know, because it gives it more of a the sense of responsibility and you know something long term but it's long term that you can carry instead of the other open-ended thing of what you can possess or what you can gain um it's more like in out instead of what's going to come from outside yeah yeah it's again it's internalized always link the the question why to something relevant to the religion i like that you know, like a person can see as far as, you know, where they have their eyes set. So far eyes is just set to this world or, you know, to this job or, you know, it's as far as you're going to be able to see. But if it's linked to, okay, what's well, even after this world, you know. It really broadens your dimension, yeah, really. Your outlook. It really broadens your outlook. Yeah. And if life was trying to teach you a lesson today, what would it be? <laughs> Um, interesting. Uh, so, uh, you know, all, all of us now are in quarantine and, uh, to me, this was an opportunity that I was looking for, for a long time. For the last three years, there are a lot of things that happened in my life. I, I lived in four countries or, or, or more. Uh, I did short assignments in even more countries. I switched, uh, jobs, uh, I had seven positions in three different companies the last few years. I got married. I'm busy. Yeah, so the, the, even though there were many pauses during all of this, there, I didn't really have an opportunity to truly sit and reflect on what was, what is, and what will be. And I think during this quarantine, for even though I was working, working full hours from home, there was still plenty of time to do that, right? So I took some time over the course of, um, you know, almost three weeks to look at how I'm spending my time, right? And I wrote a whole article about it on LinkedIn. Essentially, what I did is, over the last six years, I looked at how I was spending my time across the different aspects of life and what would the ideal composition of my time spending would be, right? And then I sort of draw... Uh, uh, created a plan and draw a roadmap for me to go from where I am today to where I want to be ideally, how I can balance all of these activities. And I'm so glad that I took the time to truly reflect, deeply reflect uh, on, on my life in the past six years and, and you know what things that I need to focus on or change going forward. So if there was one thing that really stood out to you, of okay, this is this this one thing life is trying to teach me today. What would it be? Just do more, make and create. There are a lot of ideas and a lot of projects and a lot of initiatives that come across one's mind, but a lot of them get deprioritized or uh, overlooked, ignored, or, or basically we don't have the time to do them. Mm -hmm. The fir the the only thing is you have to start. Once you start, That's the hardest part. That is the hardest part for sure. Once you start, you will find the time and the courage and 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 the energy to to carry on and continue. Um, so you know, and 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 one of the one of the important things is to actually write down what those ideas and initiatives are.
because if you don't write it down with time you're you're gonna forget it you know you're, you're not gonna remember what you really wanted to do or what you had in mind write them down put them in front of you and when the time is right when you have some wiggle room do it you know start mm -hmm. take that step entrenched into our daily activities our duties our responsibilities and then we have little to no time to to go and make and create and do things you know that we want you know be it whatever it whatever it is it's a hobby or it's a side project or it's a, you know something that you wanted to do but you could not just go ahead and do it you know so creating more space to actually make and create and do the things that are important to you yeah beautiful um, how do you know that you're good with God? Um, that, I think that is the toughest, toughest question yet. Um, I really, I don't know. Do you know for sure? I don't think you know for sure, but, um, there are indicators, you know, I, I think the beauty about Islam is it came with really clear messages and, and directions and um, so basically the short answer if you follow those then you know you know you, you're doing you're, you're God you're good your relationship with your creator is good you're in the right track and if you do not God made it made it so clear what you're supposed to do and what you are prohibited to do do one two three four five six seven eight and you will guarantee success and you will be guaranteed for this, right? So, again, to go back, I don't know for sure, and I don't think anybody knows for sure, but what we can do, uh, you know, we will have an indication whether or not we're on the right track. If we're doing these things, we know that we're on the right track and our relationship with God is good. If we're not, then there is a room for us to improve. There is a room for us, and this goes back to the forgiveness aspect and the, and the generosity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if, we, if, we, if we're not doing some of these, it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, we're not part of that group because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't exclude anybody. There is always room for us to be part of that group. But, you know, it's a roadmap for us to, to get there. So even if some of those actions are not being executed by, by us, then as long as that we have and the intention and willingness to to get there i think not only are we going to get rewarded for our intention but once we get there then we'll get the ultimate reward yeah so knowing i know that i am good with god is when i'm listening and hearing to what he said this is what we should do this is what we shouldn't do and then kind of following that and you know, I like that you have it, it's almost like you brought it back to the basics of this is what God told us. I know I'm good with God and on the correct, correct path if I'm doing everything he told me to do and staying away from everything that he told me not to stay. Kind of like going back to the basics of this is, this is the way, this is how you do it. And I also like that you have your mind and eyes set to the highest level of success in the hereafter. Absolutely. Yeah. And the more you read within the Quran, the more you can you can come across some of these uh, mm -hmm. um, simple guiding principles mm -hmm. to how we can succeed in our relationship with God and in our mission uh, through 
our ultimate mission which is going to Jannah. So, inshallah. Well, thank you. Thank you for letting us pick your brain and for helping us answer some of life's biggest questions and sharing some of your wisdom and insights with us. Yeah, more time than I was supposed to. <laughs> I tend to uh, digress. So uh, thank you for your patience. I and uh, And uh, I hope the discussion was uh, fruitful. It was, thank you. Thank you for giving us a lot to think about. Thank you for having me. I'll see you guys next time. This was Sometimes in Life with Noura Kareem. If you've enjoyed the podcast, share it with family and friends. Leave a comment. Let us know what you think. I'm glad you're here, and I'll see you next time.